Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's August 19th, 1992. And another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by... Aria, Rebecca, and Ali. The Retrospectors. Imagine if history podcasters had to begin each episode with an oath to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Uh, This show would have been in trouble right from the (laughs) get-go. But in court, that is exactly what you had been expected to affirm in England since around the 13th century, a tradition that effectively ended in America on this day in 1992, thanks to the appeals court and a publisher from Boulder City, Nevada, called Wallace Ward. Yeah, so Ward was the president of a mail order company, and he was charged with evading personal and other taxes during this three-year period in the early to mid-80s. And in pre-trial proceedings at his trial, which finally arrived in 1990, he challenged the requirement that he should have to take the witness oath. Instead, he wanted to uh, speak with full and integrated honesty, only with full and integrated honesty, and nothing but full and integrated honesty, which I must say on the face of it, I'm a little little bit sympathetic to on the basis that truth speaks to this sort of objective thing, whereas honesty is a personal thing. But I don't think that's what he was getting at. No, it was it was a form of self-promotion in a really weird way. So it turns out this guy, Wallace, he went by the name Frank R. Wallace and Wallace Ward. He was a businessman, kind of. He was the author of Guides to How to Hack Blackjack and Poker. That's kind of how he got his start. And then he developed this eccentric I don't want to say cult, self-help You don't have to tread carefully around neotech, Rebecca. It's not like the Scientologists. They don't have any money for lawyers. It's fine. It's quite like the Scientologists. It's like a version of the Scientologists Scientologists. without the money for lawyers. Ideologically, it was basically libertarian capitalist individualism dressed up in the language of self-actualization. It had this weird kind of the goal, if you like, of neotech was a world where a complete free market enables the creation of eternal life somehow. Mm -hmm. So he'd sort of invented his own religion slash mm, hack for life, which his son, by the way, Mark Hamilton, still is at. He offers people the secrets of success in the form of a neo-think book for $140 these days. Well, among other things, it promised to endow followers with, quote, enormous wealth, love, and the most phenomenal personal abilities, and even the power to lose weight or eliminate addictions effortlessly and virtually overnight. This actually came a cropper in the year 2000 when the UK Advertising Standards Authority ruled that they had failed to provide proof of claims such as, you'll be having sex with beautiful women in one week. Yeah, you don't, <laughs> you don't need to join NeoThink to do that. You just need to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I think that's well known. <laughs> <laughs> also, his son seems to have found a way to make unlimited wealth by charging $140 per book. (laughs) (laughs) But this is where it gets relevant. Fully integrated honesty is one of the buzzwords of neotech. It's very like Scientology in that it has a complicated jargon. So the rewording of the oath in court, he could point to it as being his chosen religious phrasing, Mm. but also it functioned as a promotion of his philosophy because you might start thinking, oh, what does that mean? Why has he chosen those words? Well, it's 
just part of the very lengthy jargon of the neo-tech self-help movement. <laughs> well, initially, uh, two judges said no to the idea, both Magistrate Judge Lawrence R. Levitt and the Federal District Judge Lloyd D. George said that the wording about truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth had been used for centuries and would not be changed. And then he was convicted. He was convicted in an hour because he couldn't really represent himself properly because they wouldn't accept his oath. That's right, yeah. So he declined to testify and then presented no witnesses and so was found guilty. And also, he hadn't paid his taxes for three years. There was that, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) His whole side issue is kind of beyond the point, but anyway. (laughs) But he appealed all the way up to this three-judge panel of the United States Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit, and they said it was okay. Two of the judges at least said it was okay. There was a dissenting Judge Cecil F. Poole, who said that Mr. Ward's semantic objection showed only a philosophical preference, not a belief that was equivalent of religion, or that showed an acknowledgement of the duty to tell the truth. Which I must say, I think it does convey an intention to tell the truth. And contrary to what he might have hoped, even though his conviction was overturned, he did then have to go through a retrial. They were like, you can use your chosen wording at the retrial that you will be having, obviously. Where you will be found uh, guilty uh, for evading Where you will be found guilty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's interesting is is how the appeal court came to their judgment that he was within his rights to request his own oath, because it was as much as anything the fact that he brought it to their attention that was used as evidence mm. of the strength of his convictions. So, quote... In their verdict, he strongly professes innocence of the crime's charge, yet he preferred to risk conviction and incarceration rather than abandon his version of the oath. We conclude that Ward professes beliefs that are protected by the First Amendment. The court's interest in administering its precise form of oath must yield towards First Amendment rights. In other words, the fact that he'd so doggedly pursued his right to say his own oath seemed to underline in their minds that this must be a religious conviction that he felt, because otherwise, why would he care so much about it? Which is an interesting argument, isn't it? To do whatever you want in court. Like, if you then just stick to the same line with great passion, you know, when you're appealing a parking ticket or whatever. No, I didn't park there. Maybe you can just get away with it. You keep saying it again and again and again. (laughs) They'll be like, well, you wouldn't keep making such a verse. Well, they also said that he had tried to express a moral or ethical sense of right and wrong. And I think that definitely is captured in what he's saying. It's just that he's doing this weird sort of, I think it is semantic, choice of words. I completely disagree. um, It is not captured in what he's saying. The word truth is understood by everyone (laughs) in the world. Fully integrated honesty is obviously bullshit. And I I think when you read what the judge said when, when he knocked him down the first time, it's just like... Stop wasting our time is essentially what it translates as. You are wasting our time. We all know what truth means. Just it is a slogan. It's not a religion. It's a slogan. It's basically like he's advertising himself. You know. I know, but at the same time, if you think the truth is something objective and external to you, and you can only ever talk from your own human flawed perspective, then honesty actually, I think, is a better word. I don't know about integrated honesty. If he was like a a bowling alley manager and he said, (laughs) I swear, as the most honest bowling manager in town, you wouldn't be like, oh, that's fine then. You know, he was just trying to, he was literally trying to advertise this janky self-help movement in the court of law. I can see how that would have stuck in the craw of the judges. (laughs) 
I found this interesting bit of commentary from this Irish judge, Mary Cotsonoris. She said, quote, those who tell lies without qualms are not going to be put off by the prospect of doing so with their hand on the Bible or the Quran. Yes. And I think it's interesting, really, when you track back to the origins of this idea of some sort of expression of truth telling at the top of your, uh, of your testimony. Yeah, so an oath specifically is a promise in the name of something that's holy or sacred to the swearer. That's in comparison to an affirmation, which is simply a promise in secular language. Both of them have equal legal status. And the formula, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, is surprisingly old. It first appeared in English court records in the 1200s yeah. and may mm. derive from an even older expression in Old English. And the concept of oath-taking has actually been controversial for a surprisingly long time too. First encountered a major bump in the road of the, in the form of the Quakers in the late 1600s. They were this pesky new religious sect who was, seemed to be challenging everything, mostly the notion of organised church that was getting in Also it. trying to shift their own book. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. They saw swearing an oath as going against the teaching of Jesus because in fairness, if you read the book of Matthew, he quotes Jesus as saying, swear not at all during the Sermon on the Mount. And so the leader of the Quakers, George Fox, was on the front line of this debate and he refused to take the oath. And this kind of exposed the fact that oaths were a form of gatekeeping because they made it harder for non-conformists, non-Christians or atheists to access the courts and to hold office. And so from the 1700s onwards, you start seeing affirmations being introduced as an alternative to oaths in various situations. But even as late as 1880, there was an MP called Charles Bradlaugh who was denied his seat because he was an atheist and he was deemed ineligible to take the parliamentary oath. Do you know the business about why we raise our right hand when we swear to tell the truth? Like this that. is great. This is the pub fact, everyone. Get ready. Okay. <laughs> the reason we raise our right hand when we swear to tell the truth comes back to the Old Bailey in the 17th century in London when there was a kind of, not get out of jail free card, but get into jail with less time card that you could play if you worked for the church, which was called the benefit of clergy. So if you're a member of the church, you could receive a more lenient sentence from the church and not from the judge, but you were only allowed to use that once, Right. And when you went mm -hmm. to prison, they branded you on your hand with the crime that you'd committed. So you'd right. raise your right hand okay. in court to show whether you had any prior offences. And if, if there was a brand on wow. your hand, then you'd be like, well, you can't, you can't plead the church then because you've done that one. Sorry. And that's still the reason. <laughs> that's brilliant. That is brilliant, isn't Oh, it? that's really good. Yeah. <laughs> that is incredible, yeah. One other thing I thought was interesting was the whole truth part of the phrase, which apparently isn't always enforced, but it sometimes is. So most commentators say that the totality requirement isn't to be understood literally. So you can't just get into court and tell a little bit of your story. If you have more information, mm. you have to divulge it under cross-examination. But apparently there have been cases where a, a mission has counted as perjury and people have been sent to prison for perjuring themselves by not telling everything that they know. So it just, you know, it trips off your tongue yeah. like a bit of a mantra. But actually that bit about telling every part of the truth is actually important. It depends what you're asked, doesn't it? I mean, I only know from courtroom dramas. Well, true. But there's a lot of like, be quiet in the dock, Mr. McNichol. Like, yes. you know, you will answer <laughs> the council's questions. You won't just, you know, you're supposed to just answer I'm getting that they ask all you. the time when I'm in the dock. <laughs> <laughs> Next time this idea of basically drones before drones existed yeah. let's put up a load of balloons and send them over love the show support the show patreon.com slash retrospectors part of the ACAST creator network planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with Quince Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.